Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Well, here we are once again, another Saturday, and it is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Howdy, everybody. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker yes, to Francis here. And in Los Angeles, it's our good friend Todd Roberts. Hello there. Oh, God. Gentlemen. Hello. Howdy, 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 and howdy. Hello, Ziba neighbor. <laughs> that could be a good law That's firm. That's a Jamaican cowboy. That could be a good law firm. Howdy, howdy, and howdy. Howdy, howdy, and howdy. <laughs> uh, today's program, um, I, I, I build it kind of like a, uh, a Seinfeld show uh, about nothing. <laughs> but it is about something. We're clearing the cobwebs uh, of all the collective stuff that has collected yeah, over the yeah. uh, over the months and uh, you know sometimes you just don't need a guest yeah, or want a guest you know sometimes don't want you, no stinging guests yeah, no we, we always enjoy guests but sometimes you just don't need one you know sometimes they wear badges and well, we don't want to see no stinging badges yeah, around here we don't need no stinging badges bunker i didn't realize that that harry was uh, had changed course and decided to open the bar up before the show. So, <laughs> you know, you're talking Usually to... Usually it's after the show. You know you're talking to a teetotaler. Well, not a total teetotaler, no, but not. pretty much a teetotaler. Harry can tell you that. He, yeah, he is uh, somewhat of a teetotaler, but uh, he, he, he still accepts my invitation for a uh, uh, an adult beverage after our uh, show uh, out at the White Stallion. That's every, because of the atmosphere. It's conducive to, yeah. to uh, you know, a beer. Yeah. A beer. A, and that's all he has is a, a beer. beer. Yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. my, that's, my, that's my staggering limit. You know? Well, Where, the good news, I love to find people that um, don't abuse themselves and then take them out and abuse them. Show well, them how to abuse themselves. See, so no, the truth you're is, you're in training. Or no, you're in training. No, for a I, with me. I, I was abuser for many, 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 many years. Yeah. I'm not an abuser now because of physiological <laughs> uh, conditions, which are not conducive to uh, the abuse of. Uh, Beverages of uh, high capacity or caliber. As an old stunt man, he can fall down, but he can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't bounce anymore. I splatter. Wow. So, anyway, I thought I would start it out. Uh, yeah, uh, start with out a um, movie I'm going to try and watch this evening. It, it has a a free or it's available on the Hulu thing, Hulu. but I don't subscribe to Hulu, nor do I want a free seven day trial. To Hulu. Oh, then they'll bug you for the rest know, of your life. I know, but the the movie it looks like an interesting movie. Uh, it's called The Sisters Brothers. Oh, that's a good movie. And Bunker knows all about I it. I love that movie. I love the concept. It's so of it. different, but it is so good. And uh, Charles Nelson Riley, or when I thought uh, John, was, John C. Riley, John, John, <laughs> he should have got he should have got a nomination for best actor. And Joaquin Phoenix is in it. He was uh, so so. The 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 synopsis, the brief synopsis in 1850s Oregon, the infamous duo of assassins, Eli Sisters and Charlie Sisters, chase a gold prospector and his unexpected ally. I mean, it. I watched, it's based on actuality. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a true story, apparently. And well, I, except I, for the the magic formula. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I watched the. We watched the trailer, and it looked uh, pretty enticing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, some Don't of the reviews um, from IMDb. It says this is from 2018. A boring experience with a fantastic cast, but 
you know. It's I, all in the eyes of the beer holder. That, thank you. It, it, that's exactly right. Anyway, this uh, film was released in uh, October of 2018 and uh, filmed in Spain. In Aragon, Spain, and you know what's interesting in this in this film is you know everybody talks about uh, open range and how great and realistic the gunfights were. Mm-hmm. They're even more realistic in this one, mm-hmm. and what happens to people is more realistic. And uh, if some, when somebody gets something done to them. It just you know in the next scene is it's well it's no it's there till the end of the movie. Well, one of the uh, storyline uh, information things here, uh, based on Patrick DeWitt's novel... Uh, <laughs> I've got they, that at home. They, they say that uh, uh, Kermit Warm is the prospector, uh, Herman Kermit Warm. Uh, he's being pursued across 1,000 miles of 1850s Oregon desert to San Francisco. What's I, wrong with that picture? Except the one thing. Most of it's done in the mountains. Yeah, but what's wrong with that picture, Oregon desert? There's actually a big desert what up there. What desert is up there? Uh, it's along the it's southern uh, southern part of Oregon. Uh, it's a, I think it uh, lingers into Idaho, uh, but it's, it's there. It's a very high desert then. Oh, yeah. Very high. And, you know, you, you know think about this. You know, people think of desert, and they think of buttercup dunes down in Yuma. No, that's... That, that's, what they, that's what they generally, you know... Or do, the Gobi Desert. Or the uh, Gobi, or, you know, Sahara. The, you know, the Sahara. Mm-hmm. And you take the Chihuahuan Desert and the... the Sonoran Desert. Or the Sonoran Desert. Sonoran Desert is one of the most lush deserts it in is. the world. It is. It is. I just find that an interesting term. Yeah. Uh, so, there. there is a... There is um. Uh, I just came across, you know, I have a bad habit that Uh-oh. the three of us share, <laughs> um, uh, where I go into old bookstores or used clothing stores, and I'm always looking for old books. Right. And I found a great book called The Oregon Desert. Okay. There you go. Well, I and guess I, I will s- send I you cor- a photo of the cover of that, Harry. All right. I said so corrected. You can venture into that. Um, <laughs> but there is a trice that desert. Uh, covers the corners of uh, three states Mm -hmm. uh, where they come together, which is Idaho, uh, southeast Oregon, Mm -hmm. southwestern Idaho, and northwestern Nevada. Okay. And that tri-state area, there's a desert there, and that's where um, you have a group of cowboys that are known as buckaroos that are still working to this day, actively as cowboys. And there's a great book called um, Hole in the Sky um, by um, William Kittredge, which describes his uh, growing up on an Oregon cattle ranch slash farm. It was one of the biggest farms in all of Oregon. Mm -hmm. And um, growing up amongst these cowboys, his grandfather built it his father ruined it and sold it by selling it off piece by piece. Hmm. And in a lot of ways, many people will say that the inspiration for All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarty, the character that um, uh, 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 the star plays, oh, God, I forget his name now. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, uh, what's his face? Um, right. Um, Amen. Um, uh, you know, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, the character he plays is inspired in a lot of ways 
from that novel, which is uh, this guy watching, you know, his grandfather build it and his father ruin it by selling it off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, looking for that, shall I say, paradise, that Shangri-La paradise of the West and trying to return to it and being able to try to find it. And as Jack Kuryak said, we can't go home again. Um, very true. Well, you know, it's I not, did go home, but it was different. Uh, it was different, yeah. It's not the first time I would be wrong about something, so. You well, know. You, know, you know, see, Harry, <laughs> that, it. that's what makes you, oh, that's what Harry, makes you so I'm not letting. I'm not saying you're wrong. You're not wrong. You're just... Um, you didn't know about this, and I didn't know about it either. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll give credit where credit is due. It was my ex-wife who turned me on ah. to William Kittredge, mm-hmm. and you know. So um, as what's that old saying? You you can count the uh, the no if you're you're a rich man if you can count the number of friends you have on one hand. Uh, well, um, I'm a rich man if I can count the number of good things she did on one hand <laughs> on one finger. <laughs> Well, you know, that's an interesting thing because, you know, you think about it, you know, the, the northwest Nevada. But you look at Nevada, and Nevada, you know, the, the basin up there, mm-hmm. that is one of the most barren places. Oh, yeah. You know, that's where all the aliens land. Right. Area it's, 51. It's, it's, it's just, and it, it's, I mean, that's that's the kind of country you're looking at, except it gets even more sandy when you get up into Well, the, I, I've never had the pleasure or displeasure of visiting Oregon and probably never will. Uh, Washington State is about, well, my experience in Washington State was the airport in Seattle mm-hmm. before I went to Alaska. Well, you know, so. speaking of deserts, where, you know, maybe you can help me with this, Todd. It's it's in the Dakotas, but there's a desert, there's a coral desert. Coral? Yeah, it's really red, they call it coral. Oh, okay. And it's up by the Badlands. Interesting. And then you got the White Sands in New Mexico, oh, yeah. the Gypsum Desert. Yep, yep, yep. But that's a yep. Gypsum Desert. Yep. That's not your regular desert. No. That's a Sahara-type desert. Right, right. And it grows every year. Well, anyway, this is a, uh, one of the movies that I'm going to attempt to watch this evening. I, I would give that one. I would, you know, Cisco Neen would give you a thumbs up. <laughs> I give you five fingers. Huh? All right, all right. Because I really like it. Okay. And then after that, it'll be a bunch of uh, favorite bees. <laughs> well, now, speaking of movies, has anybody seen News of the World? No, I have it on my uh, watch list, uh, but I'm waiting for it to, waiting for the anticipation of it to die down a bit so I can get a good stream uh, well, on it's the a, Internet TV. Yeah. The, um, it's playing here, or I, I'm assuming it is, because it has been playing every weekend here in Tucson in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hanks is uh, touted as a possible Academy Award nominee wow. for it. Have you seen it, Todd? I have not seen it, but I've heard really good things about it. Mm-hmm. And I would also tell you that um, right now Dan is waiting to watch it once um, you can get it for free, because right now it's $22. Yeah. If you have Internet TV, you can get it for free. <laughs> if you go to Century uh, Theaters, you can get in for about uh, on a senior matinee yeah. for about four bucks. Yeah, but I still get it for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait, and I can't. I don't have a computer anyway. For, well, I don't watch it on the computer. Well, it's speaking, on the TV. Speaking speaking of which, you know, this I want to share this with the whole world, especially with Todd. <laughs> I went down to the library Monday because they've been closed for three weeks. Right. Right. And I go down there, and they said we're going to be open. And, so and, I go and down. why were they closed, Bunker? Well, uh, I don't know. Well, you know, it's, it, it's 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 so weird because one, 
our county supervisor, he said, okay, everybody, everybody's off for three weeks. And then when I heard this, I thought, well, you know, they're giving them the holidays because it was all over the holidays. They're giving them a holiday break, you know, from the tension. Well, it turns out about two days later announced that all of these people that are given a three-week three furlough, you can either take your vacation time or your sick time, but you're not going to be paid. <laughs> but anyhow, moving up to this Monday, yeah. I go down there, right, and I go to the library because the library's open. Right. But you can't go in. <laughs> Don't you love efficiency? Oh, it's it's mind-boggling. Uh, these are silly well, times we. You know, you know, this thing, now, we if this if, if this was 1921 <clears throat> or 1881, you wouldn't have had that problem. <laughs> oh man! So, but, but you can't come in. Yeah. Oh, Leon. I hear you knocking, but <laughs> you right. can't come in. Dave Edmonds. <laughs> well, you know, I want to segue into something here. I've I've got a little book that I I read a page from every day. It's called a Cherokee Feast of Days Daily Meditations, and it's done by a lady named Joyce Sequichi A. Heffler. She's a Cherokee lady, and it's it's it basically it's just one page, and it's. Uh, Kind of uh, philosophical, or inspirational, inspirational mm-hmm. something to think about. And today's really jumped out at me, and I thought I'm going to bring this in because this is about a day about much of nothing. Okay, if I can get the light on this thing right, so I can read it. Rules are made to keep us safe and honest and well organized, but many of them become more important than the purpose for which they were written. We have a tendency to make rules only to fall under the power of them. If rules and laws are made and have governed us for any length of time, it is generally thought that these can be too... It is generally thought that there can be no exceptions, even to the point of being ridiculous. When a rule becomes as binding so binding that it will not allow common sense and honest action to help people to do the right thing, it is time to make a change. Rules are made to help us do our best. Rules are made to serve human beings, not human beings made to serve the rules. We need the rules, but wisdom as well. We seem to be missing something, don't we? Yeah. I mean, somebody should somebody somebody in government should read that. Somebody, our mayor should read that. Our senators, especially the Democratic ones, should read it. But not that I'm taking sides. um, I would. I think you know, Bunker. Unfortunately, um, and this is a habit that I fall into all the time as well. I'm applying logic to the situation, oh, that's and that's not something you can do. Yeah. I try to use common sense, but I guess that's the same thing as logic, because it, it apparently doesn't yes. work. No. I get no. by by it, but it seems like the rest of the world doesn't. Yeah, I pretty much, exactly. uh, pretty much shut my mouth on the whole thing, because... <laughs> uh, uh, Harry, Harry just gave up the ghost. Uh, it, it, you know, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
very, very. I keep very golden disgusting. him, and we have breakfast. Yeah, yeah. But he he's resilient, but he he falls into the trap once in a while. All right, let's move on to some other topics. Another topic here. Okay, let's talk about a silent movie. All right. Hey, this is uh, the Pearls of Pauline. Ah, I know yes. nobody's ever heard of that one. No. 1914 is black and white. It was 20 episodes, two wheel. Uh, it was done by Standalone. I guess that was the production company. A young lady named Pearl Fay White played a character called Pauline. Paul uh, Passer was uh, Raymond. I wish I could read myself. Raymond Owens, and the plot. Uh, revolved around a lost inheritance, white salary during this period. This is amazing. 1914, her salary was $1,750 a week. Good grief. That was, that was a fortune. Man. You could live on a whole year on that. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now I've now- seen some, I've seen clips from some of the, the old Pearl Whites and the, you know, the the damsels in distress serials. Man, they are just so cool. Well, apparently, William Randolph Hearst was also involved in plot development uh, of the movie. Oh, of this one? Of this one, yeah. What do you got there for me, Harry? Uh just says he was also present at the premiere at Lowe's Broadway Theater, March 23, 1914. And uh, I guess the general release was April 1 of 1914. Um, let's see. You know, just, uh, that's an interesting thing. You know, you look at the people back then, and this is like you're talking 1914, and this is, you know, the beginning of the, of the star system with Pearl White being one of the very first of the, and the big, one of the very biggest. And her impact was equal to that of any of the big stars today, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on, on the American public and the world public, for that matter. Well, she's remembered as the paradigmatic form of damsel in distress cinema, as well for its extensive use of the cliffhanger technique in film serials. Uh, that's Ben, ben Singer, uh, been called the queen of the, uh, called the serial queen melodrama, um, he was, uh, I think he was one of the writers, but, um, yeah, that, that we're going to do a show damsels in distress yeah. at some point, And I'm sure this one will be included in there. Well, you know, it's interesting thing too, is that during this period leading up to sound, mm-hmm. the serials were actually bigger than the features. Mm. They were, they had, a, they were, they had better attendance, uh, you know, and it just, well, I I know I remember going to see serials well, down that's at the whole uh, reason for Saturdays. Yeah, <laughs> down at the Fox Theater. Yeah, when I was a kid. So. God, I can remember all the uh, pearls in Nyoka. You can't you can't beat a, a, a pretty girl in short shorts or actually almost hot <laughs> pants being abducted by a gorilla. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's for for a young red blooded American boy. That's there's a little more more exciting than that, except maybe maybe seeing Buck Jones whip about eight guys <laughs> in the saloon. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge serial fan, so uh, yeah, I'm, this, I'm, this I'm, I'm like, like weed chicks and no, and no, no, no wrong, cer- and, wrong, wrong cereals to France, wrong uh, cereals, Ovaltine, wrong cereals, Uncle Ben, uh, good try, shredded white, good yeah. try, <laughs> good try. 
Let's see. They did a, uh, uh, a talkie version, Paramount Pictures. Oh, I saw that. That and, wasn't bad. Uh, Betty, Betty Hutton. Betty yeah. Hutton. Yeah. Uh, Perils of Pauline, 1947. Universal shot it again in 67 as an updated comedy. Um, but, uh, so, yeah. Add that one to the list. Nadine just list left. to watch. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> Sure. Well, okay, I, I, you know, I'm going to do a poem. Well, before you do that... Okay, you want to do a break? Yeah, let's do a break. Okay, let's break it. <clears throat> we are uh, Emil Franzi's of Voices of the West, Todd Robertson, Los Angeles, Bunker to France here. I'm Harry Alexander. We'll be back with much more right after these very, very important messages. Don't go anywhere. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Andrews. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Here, don't we? Hey, that's that's an elbow popping. Just get them elbows swinging out there like wings on a, on a chicken. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West Area, Alexander Bunker de France, and uh, Todd Roberts. And uh, today's show is 
We just call it nuggets because okay. it's about nothing. It's just about it, a, it's, sa- a sack full of gold little treaties. You know, it's about whatever the devil we want it whatever to be Whatever bubbles up to the surface. <laughs> it's like a pot of chili. Exactly. Yeah. You know, another movie I've got on my list, uh, watch list is, let me find it here, uh, The Winning of Barbara Worth, Gary Cooper. Oh, yeah. That's what, 39? Uh, uh, 20, 29. 29, yeah. I believe. That was one of the first ones. Yeah, and that was mm-hmm. one of the ones that really solidified him as a... As a talky actor. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another one uh, with Merle, uh, Gary Cooper and Merle Oberon, uh, The Cowboy and the Lady. Oh, speaking of, <clears throat> before I get to the poem, Yes. Bees to See. Tell us about this week's Bees to See. Oh, um, in our newsletter, if you subscribe, uh, you know and it. You and should. It, and if you don't, if you haven't subscribed, uh, consider it. Um, I've started, uh, since the first of the year, a little column, Bees to See. I love B-movies, B-westerns. Be there, B-square. Be there, B-square, exactly. And so uh, I've been doing a couple of reviews here. Um, You know, nothing earth-shattering or anything like that. I certainly am no Siskel and I'm no Ebert. I, I understand that. But you know it's what I like, and hey, I'd rather I'd rather be be to be to C than yeah, Cisco. Uh, well, my my uh, my one for this week was uh, Lightning Crandall, Lightning Crandall with the real Bob Steele, uh, mm. <laughs> Bob Steele, battling Bobby Steele. <laughs> he, no, Bob is uh, uh, he's one of my favorite B uh, cowboys, and you know, the guy did. Six decades of work. Oh yeah! I mean, he started. Duffy. He started when he was two years old uh, with his dad in, in an, a vaudeville act, and then uh, ended up his career as uh, Duffy in uh, um, F Troop. Well, you know, he was, it was he did a whole series with his brother Bill called Bill and Bill and Bob, mm-hmm. which his dad, which is uh, Robert Bradbury, mm-hmm. uh, directed, uh, and they were they were quite popular in their time. And then he moved on. What was neat, I can remember there was a bunch of us used to get together when I was living out in California at somebody's place, and we'd spend a whole Saturday just doing nothing but watching old Western movies. And one fellow brought over uh, some stuff that he had, and in among it was a clip introducing Battling Bobby Steele. (laughs) And, I mean, it was so cool. Well, yeah, he, he and he, of course he'd been around for you know yeah. ten, twelve years. I by mean, then. He, he's uh, quite the athlete, no question about that. Um, and he's good with the girls. Uh, lots of action. This movie, Lightning Crandall, it, he's he plays a a gunman who's trying to hang up the guns and and gotta m- hang his guns. Move up. on to a uh, sedentary life, as it yeah, were. Is- Except it's not working out the way he thought it never would. does he he uh leaves texas and goes to Should the arizona never leave texas. well there you go he goes to the arizona territory winds, w- <laughs> winds up on this ranch that coincidentally had been had sent a letter out to lightning uh crandall asking for help because the heavy in this movie charles king is uh <clears throat> they're trying to steal the land and no what, you, know, you, know, you know how it goes and so uh, that's that's Charlie. Yeah, and so one thing go, leads to another, and uh, Bob has to strap the guns back on and uh, settle the business. Uh, that's what Bob Steele is for. You know, yeah. that's, that's the, that sums up the whole the whole <laughs> shooting there. Uh, yeah, that's great. Guy Wilkerson, uh, Gunsmoke Mesa. That's another one I'm going to yeah. be watching. Uh, yeah. You know, I know some of these are are. 
garbage. Yeah, they're, they're not garbage. You're just some of, some need a little tolerance. Some need a little love because I've found you know, almost in every one of them, even the even the ones that you know that were made by the Grade Z Studios. Yeah. Uh, even though sometimes you see a scene or a shot that really you know it impresses you. Well. <laughs> That may be all it is, is one shot. Yeah, but, you know. Revenge of the Virgins would be one of those. Oh. <laughs> all the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, how many copies of that do you have now? I, I don't. Uh, the uh, Alabama Hills scenery is about the best thing. There you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, there was a movie with Victor Mature about, about Hannibal. In fact, it was called Hannibal. And the movie was... Probably it was during the, the Sand and Sandals saga mm-hmm. of you know of the of the fifties, and it was probably among the worst because it was just full of stock footage and stuff, <laughs> and the African elephants were Indian elephants, <laughs> small Indian yeah, yeah, elephants, yeah. but they they crossed the Alps. But there was one scene in there when the when the Carthaginians first met the Roman army mm-hmm. and defeated them in mm-hmm. the first battle, mm-hmm. that they lifted from a big Italian epic. <laughs> and it was so impressive that it's still one of my favorite scenes yeah. in a movie uh, well, of that type. And watching serials, especially Republic serials, you will see lots of uh, B footage, B roll oh, inserted was- into. That's uh, just they, about they, any any uh, any one of them. It doesn't matter the genre. <laughs> well, you know that was one of the things we used to do when we'd get together on Saturdays to watch it. Is you'd see it, you'd see a shot, and here here like we was watching Roy Rogers, and all of a sudden here's the next scene. Roy comes riding up on a bay horse, black and white, so he's probably a bay, and he comes riding up, and he's got on a buckskin shirt. Mm-hmm. Now the game starts. Mm. What B movie is that from? <laughs> and it turned out it was a bu- from a Buck Jones because it was the one where they're chasing the uh, the uh, borax wagons across Death uh, Valley, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they have the big wagon chase. But that's you know that was that was part of the fun too, is to to guess which movie it was out of. Yeah, like the cattle stampede in Red River. You know, God, it's it's in a hundred movies. Uh, I can't remember the movie now. I hey, look up, it. look up the Mask Rider, nineteen nineteen. Okay, that was a, a black and white uh, silent, obviously. It starred a fellow named Harry Myers. And see what you can tell me about it. The Masked Rider. You found it. I got a nineteen forty one film. No, nineteen nineteen. Some of these, some of these do. Do escape through the cracks, and there is no real history on them unless you come across some obscure book like Todd does in the in the in the thrift store. I love thrift stores. Hey, Todd. So do I. So do I. Yes, Bunker. I, I was just going to say, why don't you tell us one of your great book find adventures in the bookstores? Well, because this um, is this is know, novels. I, I didn't I didn't feel I had anything for today's show, even though um, I do want to just uh, step back for two seconds and say, yes, Bob Steele was very good, but I still say his greatest role was as Canino in The Big Sleep against hum- yes. Humphrey Bogart, yes. which is my favorite film. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite films, um, right up there with The Searchers, The Godfather, mm-hmm. and uh, a few others. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we forget so, these guys did other stuff, yeah. There's a bookstore here in L.A. 
um, uh, and uh, it used to be over on Sautel in the little Osaka area of LA, which is a, a, a little Japanese community. Um, and uh, um, there were two bookstores over there. One, they both have moved. One disappeared completely. I can't find it. That one had really fine, fine editions of things and, and very unique things, very expensive books. And then this other one was called Rare, uh, Rare and Odd Books or something. And he has sprouted back up over on La Cienega. Oh, and cool. um, I go there because I'm on La Cienega often. Um, that's where um, I, there's a great barbecue here in L.A., authentic, real barbecue. And then there's also where there's good Cuban food, which is on, at a place called Versailles. So I, I'm on that street. It's a big boulevard. And there they sprouted up. And I was in there today and I found a book called in an old in an old Adobe, and it's the written by a woman, um, and it's basically her life. Uh, you know, the last part, last half of the nineteen uh, hundred, uh, you know, the eighteen hundreds, eighteen eighties into the early nineteen hundreds, uh, living here in L.A. in an old Adobe house. And, you know, what L.A. used to be like. Hmm. And I also found a brand new title that I never heard of by Zane Gray called Twin Sombreros. I've got that and, at home. <laughs> well, of course you do, Bunker. Uh, and the the cover is what enticed me because yeah. most of my Zane Grays are, you know, fat um, books with a linen cover or, um, you know, the linen ones, which are red, white and blue. For little boys, you know, to grow up in their in the in, like Louis L'Amour books. This one's kind of a long, flat, thin book. It has a cover on it, uh, a dust jacket, and it's got a sunset in the Saguaro uh, uh, desert. And so it just it attracted me from that. You know, how I am about that kind of stuff. Right. And then, mm. um, you know, I just uh, I also found a book called uh, a guy's name Terry something. And it's his story as a modern-day mountain climber, mountain man, hmm. living in the mountains of of the north, of the eastern Sierras hmm. of California. Well, let me ask you a question now: Are you a hard hardback uh, snob, or do you buy paperbacks as well? He's got them both. You got them both. That's good. But mainly, I but mainly I am a hardback snob. No, um, I will if I can't if I come across something I've never heard of or I've been looking for a long time and all I can find is here's a copy I'll buy it in a paperback but I, I still uh, am trying to find it in a hardback you know I, I, I have to confess I'm not a snob I'll, 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 I even I even buy books without covers but one of the things that I like about paperbacks is I have bought paperback westerns just because of the cover. It's like a studio card. Sure. I mean, you know, the, the, the graphics are just yeah, awesome, especially yeah. especially the 40s when they used yeah. those ye reds and yellows, like the movie posters. Yep. They were just beautiful work. Yeah. Fabulous but, graphic arts. Yeah. Hey, guys, and, we got to uh, do our, uh, our second break here. It's a little bit past, so we're just having so let's much fun. Let's break it up here. Now. We're going to do that. We'll be back with much more of Amo Franzi's uh, Voices of the Rest. hopeful. <laughs> Right after these important messages, stick around.
When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you postpone the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae, so we can honor him during his favorite reunion. And we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Kiva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October for the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. It's a Thorndike man, all right. Charlie Gray. So we endurance a good fight in Thorndike, huh? Well, if he's still alive, I'll ram him down his boss's throat. Well, he's alive, all right. But he's hurt so bad, he wouldn't care what you done to him. This is the Voices of the West. Back. <laughs> Unable Francis, Voices of the West, Harry Alexander. Ah, I'm bad. I don't care what you do to me. You <laughs> ram it down my throat. I don't care. In town, I don't Robert. care. That little clip was from a uh, movie called Roaring Dan. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, indeed, that was Roaring Dan. (laughs) There at the end is Dangerous Roaring Dan. Dangerous Dan, the traveling man. So I was asked to find some info about the Masked Rider from 1919, and here we go. 
Um, uh, this is all from IMDb here. It says, this surprisingly violent 15-episode serial takes place on the border between Texas and Mexico. When warned by Captain Jack of the Texas Rangers of impending trouble, elderly rancher Bill, and let's move on to the next page, uh, <laughs> Bill Burrell swears that Mexican cattle rustler Pancho won't do any riding or shooting in the area again. Pancho's Lieutenant Santos, who desires his Santos. boss's daughter Juanita's hand Ooh, and has been refused, yes. overhears Burrell and decides to make things rough on Pancho by stirring up trouble for both sides. That's my kind of guy. Now, that sounds like a Republic serial right then and there. But that but was before Republic. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's definitely. before Monogram. Yeah. It stars, That's before Lone Star. It stars um, Harry Myers. Let's look at Harry Myers and see what... Yeah, look up Harry Myers. He was born in 1882 and died in 1938, age 56. Uh, oh, died young. Yeah, he did. Uh, he was in a Kinetic... Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, the 1921 version. Hey, well, as long as you're looking up people, look up William Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N. William. Because he appeared in more than 100 westerns. So he should be a man man of suspicious interest. William Duncan, actor. Probably more than one. I'm sure there is. Let's see. Uh, Well, while you're looking... I want to I want to go back to the books for a second. I I had a paperback at home. But, well, I, we were at the at the book fair here in Tucson, and I was sitting there talking to Johnny Boggs at the Western Writers uh, main booth, and we were talking about one of the issues because it was about uh, graphic arts and movies, mm-hmm. CDs, books, and. I'm looking through there, and I see this picture, and I said, I've got that paperback. I said, it's in pristine condition. Bob says, you have that one? I said, yeah. He says, that was the first Western published in a paperback. Whoa. Isn't that cool? What book is it? I can't remember now. You it's still a, have it, right? Well, still, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, got, I got it in a plastic bag, so, so, you know, you can't even breathe on it. All right. William Duncan, 1879 to 1961, is born in Scotland, uh, best known for The Steel Trail, 1923, A Matrimonial Deluge, 1913, and The Gunfighter's Son in 1913. And uh, he's got 172 credits. Yeah. See, isn't that interesting? Here's a guy, now, people, you know, the film snobs of today never even heard of. Mm. And this guy, you know, he, he did 170 movies, 100 of them westerns. I think it's cool to to find, uh, subscribe on, on YouTube to a couple of silent movie channels. Oh, yeah. And seeing, and they don't have the whole movie, but, you know, there's the clips. clips and stuff, yeah. Uh, and then there's other shorts uh, that are there. Like, there was one that was, it's the earliest one that they found, and I think it's 18... 1890, and they're demonstrating um, movement, and mm-hmm. they're they're using a hose, a water hose, and the guy is just <laughs> going back and forth with the water hose as the film is capturing. I could it. watch that for hours. You know, it lasts about three minutes, and I watched all three minutes. <laughs> well, you know, so you know, this just goes to show you how far we've come. Back in back in the what was this would have been early 70s. Uh, Andy Warhol came out with a movie called Empire. Yep. Ran eight hours. Mm-hmm. 
The movie starts with the sun going down and the beacon on top of the Empire State Building blinking on and off. <laughs> the camera never moves, it never pans, it never zooms. It just stays on that blinking light mm-hmm. from dawn, from dusk till dawn. And I actually went to the theater in Albuquerque to, to see it because I'd read about it. That's how, you know, that's how crazy I was about film. And I didn't stay for the eight hours. I, I was good for about ten minutes. And <laughs> I figured, I, you know, I'd, I'd come back later and catch the end. But, it's still uh, blinking. Yeah, blink, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right, Bunker. I'm being on the phone with some of my relatives. <laughs> I put the phone down. I can walk into the other room. I come back, and I just give a little bit of a, Huh? Uh, oh, yeah. And everything just keeps moving. Yeah. And they don't even know you were gone. No. And no. It, 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 uh, it's really interesting, uh, like Bunker says, about these um, uh, silent stars. And, and I mean, they, they were churning these things out left and right. Oh, yeah. Uh, movie movie a month or two movies a month. Well, you know, some of these guys, you know, with, with, the, with the little uh, two reelers and some of those, they were doing two a day. Yeah, you know, and they did not they did not shoot necessarily in a studio. Um, uh, for example, this one oh, here with uh, all they needed was lots of light. The Masked Rider from 1919. Most of it was shot in the Medina River area in San Antonio, Texas. There you go. So I guess it was just easier to take the truck and go out there and do that. Uh, and you know, it was probably you know, and it was probably like you know, like Selig used to do. It, it they would they would. Uh, charter a train and they would just start out across country and they'd pull into a town and they might stay there for a couple of weeks and shoot a half a dozen or dozen little movies and then move on to the next town. Yeah. And I, and I, I've read that some of those, some of those traveling companies like that had a black, had a, a dark room in one of the cars so they and they would develop it as mm-hmm. they went along and then ship it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. We should do a. Uh, These guys were entrepren- truly on- entrepreneurs in the early go. There, yeah, we should do a show about silent movies. Yeah, what do you think, should. Todd? I think yeah, we definitely should because, uh, for many reasons, but some of our our greatest stars um, who had a major impact even on to this day, and and the greatest talkie stars ever were influenced by those mm-hmm. by those by those people from William S Hart to Harry Carey senior mm-hmm. to Bronco Billy Anderson uh, all Douglas. the way and I'll say it and I know we'll get a letter but you know <laughs> Griffin although he didn't make any silent he didn't make any westerns um, you know every filmmaker to this day no matter what color they are no matter where they're from no matter what they're doing what their subject matter is whether it's a five-minute film or a five-hour film, they're all stealing from Griffith. Well, you know, yeah. Raul Walsh was an assistant. Every turn. Raul Walsh was an assistant director for him. Besides, yeah. I think he played uh, uh, John Wilkes Booth in 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 uh, Birth of a Nation. Yes, yeah. he did. And you know, and he w- he went on to become one of Hollywood's great action directors. Yep. You know, in, in I, I always remember what what Charlie Chaplin said. He said. Um, Griffith makes films, and mm. we just watch. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at yeah, Douglas Fairbanks, Tom Mix came out of that era, uh, Buck Jones, all of the early B cowboys. Um, and I apologize for miss, uh, not mentioning 
Tom Mix, Buck Jones, absolutely. Who Gibson absolutely. also? Who Gibson, Gibson, Bob Steele, you know. and, and and the great. Uh, uh, don't forget the great bulldogger Bill Pickett, who oh, was yeah. a real champion, uh, and then became a movie star. How, yeah. how, Todd, how much do you think your dad was influenced uh, with silence or by silence? Well, I think that you know my dad was my dad was influenced um, a lot. I know it sounds crazy, but. Um, my dad was influenced a lot by boxing. Okay. That was my grandfather's yeah. favorite sport. So my father, my grandfather would send my dad down the street with a nickel and a bucket. And he would walk to the nearest place that served tap beer. And mm-hmm. he would get a bucket of beer for a nickel. Yeah. And he would walk it back, uh, making sure he didn't spill any. Right. And he'd come back up into the apartment building and would bring it to my grandfather. My grandfather would sit there with a coffee cup with a ring on it. You know how you put your finger through the ring? Yep. And he would scoop the beer out (laughs) of the bucket and drink it with a corned beef sandwich and and the radio. And he would sit and listen to the fights. And my dad was allowed to sit there with him. As long as he didn't make any noise. (laughs) Nice. And so my dad always, when he looked at a film, uh, he, he, the films he liked, it's very interesting. When you, when you think about the films my dad liked, uh, uh, whether it's My Darling Clementine or um, From Here to Eternity or She Wore a Yellow Ribbon um, or Steve McQueen films in general. Uh, there's always a good fight scene and it's realistic. And mm-hmm. he was influenced by that. And that's what he felt gave authenticity to it. And I think you see some of that in, in some of the silence where, you know, they were trying to get away from stage acting and becoming mm-hmm. more authentic actors. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, look at some of the early fighters that went in and did movies, you know, right. And uh, like the baseball guys, they were, they were such big stars that, uh, yeah, they knew they could sell tickets just by having them. Well, in it. and you got the the top college uh, football people yeah, exactly. uh, in there uh, doing westerns like uh, Sammy Baugh and well, and uh, uh, Johnny Mac Brown. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, uh, what's his name? The Black uh, Satchel Page. Yep. He did. Uh, he was in uh, Wonderful Country. Ah, yeah. Yeah, okay. he was the Black Sergeant. But uh, I just have to say about Satchel Page, you know, he was a rookie. At the age of 52. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, can you imagine being your first day as a rookie and you go into pitch and you're twice as old as the average guy you're facing? Yeah, but you're older than the whole team. Yeah. But a hell of a lot better yeah, and, than a lot of those and, players. <laughs> and with still baffling batters at yep. the age of 59. That yeah. is a pitcher. Yeah. Yes, sir. In the, in, in the white major leagues. Yep. Yeah. Hey, you know, there's, I, I, I'll bet. I don't know if you did, Todd, because you may not be quite old enough, but I'm sure your dad did. Uh, the old Joe Palooka movies. Those were, they was, sure, those were big when I was a kid. <laughs> Bunker, you remember back in the day here in L.A., you know, where we got our best movies from, or the old movies, where we got our best old movies from, uh, before I was able oh, to TV, discover yeah. Revival Houses, yeah. was Channel 5. You know, KTLA and Channel 9, KCAL, and Channel 11, KTTDV, 
and then Channel 13, which is KCOP, and they all had, you know, a late movie or a million-dollar cinema, a million-dollar movie, uh, you know, and that's where I got to see all the great old uh, noir crime films by Cagney and Bogart, but also all the great westerns and thank, that I got to see and, local TV here in L.A. And, well, th- and thank goodness for Grit TV and Me TV for yeah. bringing some of that stuff back. we got to do our final break, guys. Oh, okay. and, and the Harry Inspiration TV, exactly. INSP. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Todd Roberts, Bunker to France, Harry Alexander. It is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be back right after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. 
Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. You were anticipating that, weren't you, Bunker? <laughs> Harry Alexander, Bunker, That's Francis, hilarious. Todd Roberts. That's pretty good. Here we got some old, some old boy up in Arkansas, up in the in the Great Smokies, just picking his heart out. And here comes Harry with his electronic boom. I know. Yeah, oh, well, that's whatever. hilarious. Anywho, whilst uh, doing some looking for some of the. Uh, um, silence that we had been talking about. I came across this outfit called the Serial Squadron. It's a distributor, and the guy has a, uh, a YouTube channel. And if you're into serials, I highly recommend subscribing to his channel, the Serial Squadron. You will find things like the Lone Ranger, the original Lone Ranger serial, uh, with uh, Silver Chief, Chief Thundercloud, Lynn Roberts, and Stanley Andrews. Um, that's from 1938. You'll find The Adventures of Tarzan. Yeah, that is a 1921 version uh, with Elmo Lincoln and Louise Lorraine. Uh, you'll find a great one that I've got on my list from 1952, Zombies of the Stratosphere. Mm, um, the Perils of Pauline is listed. Zorro Rides Again, saw it. Oh, classic, Rocket classic. Ship. The Exploits of Elaine from 1914, Mystery Squadron, 1933. I think that's on my list. Oh, that's a Bob Steele. Oh, no, I've seen that. It's a Bob Steele one. Gwen Big Boy Williams in it, too. Oh, he's um, good. He's drum, good. Drums of Fu Manchu, 1940. Ooh. The Lightning Raider, 1919. Gangbusters from 42. Uh, Patria, 1917. Mystery Mountain. This is a good one. Uh, Ken Maynard um, from 1934. Tarzan really shows how smart he is. Woman in Gray from 1920. Hazards of Helen from 1914. Hey, and it goes on and on and on. Look up the Tiger's Tale. Tiger's Tale. Tiger's. Uh, it's a black and white, obviously, silent. Ruth Rowland, the great Ruth Rowland. Uh, the heroine battles Hindus, tiger cult. And a gang of Western baddies. And this is from what year are we looking at? Uh, it's 19. I don't have the year. Okay, it's a they, silent they've era. Got, they've got one from 2006, and that's all that that's been listed. That wouldn't be it. No, I'm sure. Look back. Look, for, look up Ruth Rowland then. R-O-L-A-N-D. She was a big, big, you know, she was really big. She, And she's a good topic, too. Uh, all right. We have to include her in the silence. Who yeah, Tiger's about. Trail, 1919 American Adventure Film Serial, Ruth Rowland, and a fragmentary print survives, which is unfortunate. I wish these things could have been I saved. I like fragmentary prints. So. Yeah, but I wish these things could have been saved. Yeah. And, and, I, and I understand why many times things were not being saved, 
Um, Most of it was the studios were were melting the film down for the uh, to, yeah, so that they you know yeah make so, money off of the negative. Hey guys, we're out of time. We're out of time. We can't be out of time. How is that possible fun. on a show about nothing? I know. Yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> there was a lot of nothing. There was a lot of something in that nothing. For sure, there was. That was fun. It was. We had to do it again. You know, we, how about we, next Saturday? And we didn't even <laughs> ask people to email us with questions, comments, or thoughts. No, but we. Well, we should have done. But we, that's yeah, well, That's our. That's our. That's that's our. Boo-boo. We we get too excited. Yeah, we get carried. We'll away. be back next time, and uh, our guest is cowboy week? musician Buck Helton. He'll bring oh. the guitar and do some songs, and we're Tell all good old man. time. Fun All right, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Bunker. Thank, Thank you, John. Harry. All right. Thank you, Harry. All right, that's Thank it. Thank you, John Boy. <laughs> that's <laughs> it for this edition of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. 78, 79, and 80. So long, everybody. Amigo. Thanks for listening to Abel Franzi's Voices of the West.